What's up, Lime Nation? McKay Rippy here. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, and this is episode number 284. Kind of picking up where I left off a couple years ago. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and hit that notification button. If you're on YouTube or on Facebook, we will be going live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. And once we get a little bit organized, it might even be able to interact in the chat a little bit. But right now, it's kind of just broadcast-only mode. Don't want to mess up the tech too much. I'm still learning all this fancy stuff that goes on here on StreamYard. Anyway, we have a stack show for you today and a brand new format. Be sure to leave comments. Let me know what you think of this new format. Make adjustments. What you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Always like to hear from our listeners there, especially those of you who have been with me since the very beginning, years and years and years ago. So this episode, we have naturopathic physician, Dr. Nicola Ducharme. We have Lime Warrior, the head of Lime Warrior, Lauren Lovejoy. We also have a special guest who I think you're going to find really, really interesting, really inspiring. His name is Tom Davies, and he is recovering from Lyme disease and doing very well over in England. So that's a good reminder to all of us that Lyme is not just here in the Northeast, concentrated in 14 states. I was reading a paper to say, and officially, it's mostly concentrated in 14 states. That's where they're reporting most of the cases. Well, if you don't think Lyme exists in your area and you don't report the cases, you're not going to show up. Funny how that works. Just invisibly goes away. Love that. Love statistics. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. You know what I mean? You've heard that quote before. But before we get to that, would it be okay with you if we work together to find the 90% of missing Lyme cases that happen every single day, every single year, and for the past decade? I don't know if I've told you this, but I was putting together a PowerPoint a little bit while, a, a short while ago for Dr. Nicola, actually. Uh, we were doing a webinar together. And then it hit me. You know, I was doing the, the normal 60%. Testing missed 60% of the cases. But then it dawned on me. It's like the CD says, CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Slow down, McKay. The CDC says that doctors, the IDSA system, the way they're training doctors to identify and test for Lyme disease, misses 90%. They take the reported cases and multiply by 10 to get that number. That's mind-numbing. Lionel Messi, world-famous soccer player. So, so, if you ever watch soccer, what happens? Nothing. They just miss the goal all the time. They run up and down the field and miss the goal. Come on. Even those soccer players, you know it's true. That's what they do. Lionel Messi's doing better than the IDSA. He's got a shooting percentage of 13.68. I looked that up. CDC only gets it right 10% of the time. 10%. That's terrible. The IDSA, however, oh, by the way, the IDSA, let's identify them for who they are. The Infectious Disease Society of America sounds very important. They are important. And they're royally screwing the light bulb in. You know what I was going to say, don't you? I know what you were thinking. I was thinking the same thing. So 
Great minds think alike. Anyway, they think they're Lyme superstars. Do you understand? Do you know what I mean? They think missing 90% of Lyme cases is acceptable. They think they're playing soccer, like Lionel Messi, except they're not playing soccer, are they? They're playing with lives, your life, your family's life, your friends' lives, your community's lives. 400,000 plus every year. They're not just playing with those lives. They're destroying some of them. That's criminal. You know what I mean? That's terrible. What do you think about that? I'd like to hear what your thoughts about that are in the comments. The idea say insist, they insist that Lyme is hard to catch. It's easy peasy to diagnose and super easy peasy to treat. You know, I wonder, does the CDC and the IDSA ever like talk to each other? Because the CDC says they're missing 90% and the IDSA says, no, we're good. We're good. Thank you. So the most recent year that I've seen stats on are 2021 from the CDC. There were 47,600 cases. So they estimate there were 476,000. That's the multiplied by 10, 476,000 cases. This means, IDSA, listen up. 428,400 people were missed by your guidelines, by your diagnostic tests, by what you say is easy to diagnose. If it's so easy, how come you only get it right 10% of the time? I'd like to ask them that, wouldn't you? You know, Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. Forrest Gump's mama said, a little more plainly, she said, stupid is as stupid does. But I like to say the blind leading the blind have created a big time Lyme crime. The IDSA is committing crimes. It's criminal what they're doing. What happened to first do no harm? What are they protecting? Are they just stubborn old men? who refuse to get out of the way and let the new crowd come in and actually help people? That's the question I'd like to ask them. How about you? What question would you like to ask the IDSA? Put it in the comments. I'd love to hear. Maybe we'll send them a little birthday card note. <laughs> special, a special, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Send them all notes on Lyme disease month. However, what we're going to do is we're going to go around them. We can't wait for them for any more, right? It's time for us to take charge because here's, here's some harsh truth. Are you ready for a little harsh truth? Can I tell you a little harsh truth about the Lyme community? We've allowed them to do this. What do you mean, McKay? We protest, we do marches, we do 5K runs, we do all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we haven't moved that needle either. That's why I'm back doing this podcast again. It's time to move the needle. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to train 100,000 Lyme advocates. So those are people who can sniff out Lyme disease in the community. 
They've got their lime green glasses on. They can see it. You know, I think you got like the x-ray glasses or the zombie glasses in the horror movies where they say, oh, my goodness, that person's a zombie. Right? 100,000 early warning Lyme advocates saying, here, here's a list of doctors that you can trust. Go see them. Don't listen to what your doctor said. He's wrong. Here's some, here's some resources for you. They were going to train 10,000 coaches, nurses, open-minded healthcare practitioners to triage Lyme disease, kind of the next level. So we need, we need advocates. We need people who could triage and say, here's where you should go. No, you're not getting the right care. Seven weeks of antibiotics isn't enough. Here's what you need to continue to do. So these are coaches, people who, who have influence over groups of people who have people under their care. They have clients. They're responsible for them in some way. They're not treating for Lyme necessarily, right? That's a whole nother level. That's another thing we're going to be doing. But to triage Lyme disease and to make sure that the, their clients get the help that they need. So we're going to train 10,000 coaches, personal trainers, life coaches, nutritional coaches, chiropractors, people who don't want to get into the deep weeds treating Lyme disease, but know something needs to be done. I think that's the missing layer. That's the missing layer. We need those triage like a corpsman in the army, right? They would stabilize the patient, make sure they got to the care that they needed. Medic! I watched some of those World War II movies. Medic! Maybe that's what we should call them, Lyme Medics. I kind of like that. Maybe I'll, I should write that down. Lyme Medics. Hang on one second while I do write that down. Excuse me. Okay, so I've been talking here long enough. So that's what we're going to be doing. I invite you. And the best way to do that, join me on our March Lyme Briefing, which is going to be next Wednesday, the 22nd at 7 p.m. We normally do the podcast at 8 p.m., but we're going to do this at 7 p.m. Next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Just go to thelimeacademy.com and just sign up there. We'll give you all the Zoom link. So we'll have some information. Dr. Nicholas is going to be talking about COVID and Lyme. It's going to be a great, great conversation. And then we're going to do our short Lyme awareness training. And at the end of that, we'll give you a certificate to prove that you're a Lyme advocate. I think it's a lot of fun. You'll, you're going to love it. So go to thelimeacademy.com and just sign up right there. It's just simple, like three question. Give us our email. We'll send you the right stuff. Okay. As you know, we're partnering with Lyme Warriors. We love their organization. And I want to bring you a short interview I did with Lauren Lovejoy about their virtual 5K coming up. So here's Lauren, and here's the information on their 5K. I encourage you to sign up and do it. Here we go. Lauren, welcome back to Lyme Ninja Radio. I want to talk to you this week more about the virtual 5K that your nonprofit is putting together. What Absolutely. You, we how are, do people get involved, first of all? We are so excited. So every year we do a 5K and we encourage people, either if it's from the couch to the kitchen or you want to jump out and do a whole community gathering, we wanted to create a space where, depending on your health and depending on what you've got going on, that this is an approachable event. So you can sign up on the website and jump in and do your short little run, or you can do a full one. 
And what's really exciting this year is we have added a trivia component that will help us share education about Lyme disease. So we want you to not only challenge your friends and family to get out and spread awareness, but to also help educate them about what they do or do not know about Lyme disease. So we'll have some trivia questions such as every single person who's bit by a tick gets a Lyme disease rash. Is that true or false? We'll help tell people. <laughs> I think everybody here knows the answer to that. <laughs> False. Now, so clarify for me so I understand. So people can do a 5K on their own or five steps, whatever it might be, right, from the, the comfort of their virtual connection and just participate that way. Or can people also, like, gather together their local running club if they have that type of energy, if they're more of an advocate or on the tail end of their Lyme recovery and have that kind of energy, you can walk a 5k. It's like, how, do, how does, how do the different levels of participation work? Yeah. It's of course always up to you. We have a little component that you can build a team. So on, when you sign up, you could say, I want to include a team and it will allow you to send invites if you have a race team or whatever. And again, that could be virtually invite. You can invite all your, your friends from high school who might be still running <laughs> or, you know, you can do it in person. And it's really just about like engaging with your local community and helping bring Lyme disease as a topic that can be a discussion because there's a lot of really amazing runs and things that have been brought by people bringing the voice to this. So you as an advocate can be a voice to run or walk your way to better awareness for this disease. <laughs> I think I'm in the walking camp, but <laughs> it'll be fun nonetheless. And then also want to mention again, your, your organization, you, now, is this, how many people are in your organization? Is this just you? No, or, no. I was okay, about to say we got a, a scrappy little team of five Lyme patients who are all in various stages of recovery, but we pull it together. <laughs> okay, good. Because it was, it was like, this is a lot for one person to be doing. I was starting to have a lot of sympathy. I'm glad you have a team yeah. behind you. <laughs> one day we'll have to meet all of them. Maybe we're going to have a, a, a group session on this and get to meet everybody behind this because what you do is so awesome and i know your team's working on putting together a resource for lyme patients a free resource so you can tell us about that and then how to get on the waiting list for when that comes out yeah absolutely so the team is all lyme patients all people who have suffered for years to decades and we all got together and said if we were going to do something that systemically changed what happens in a lyme patient's life what would make the most difference to people going through this? And we just all looked back on how much misinformation was given to us, how many times we were given bad treatments, how many times. So what we want to do is put out a guide that really like removes all that gray, removes all that like misunderstanding and shows you very simply like how the spirochete works, different forms that it turns into cysts, how we can address them, what the treatments options are available out there and like how you navigate moving through this disease. And what we're hoping to do is to not make this a decades journey, to not make this a, a Lyme warrior for life, to help you get over it faster. And we think that that will truly bring people back to their health and get back to doing something besides being a Lyme patient. <laughs> awesome. That sounds amazing. And if people are interested, just go to LymeWarriors.us and sign up for the mailing list. And when the resource guide comes out, do you have a timeline? I don't want to put you under the gun here because I know how timelines work. We are hoping midsummer after the 5K okay. and all that fun gets out of the way. We're hoping to really get down and have that formalized and ready for everybody. Awesome. I'm going to put myself on that mailing list just after we get off this call. All right, Lauren, thanks so much. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. for. All right. 
That's Lauren and the Virtual 5K. They do that every year. It's a great event. Just head on over to LimeWarriors.us. Do it now. Don't wait. All right. Next up. Oh, let me pause just a second. You, The tech is a little bit wonky from time to time. We're using Zoom sometimes or StreamYard, and sometimes there you heard her voice drop out. That'll happen. I upgraded my internet since then so we should be having less of those problems i'm hoping so please bear with us as we just kind of get the kinks out of putting lime ninja radio back together again the humpty dumpty of it and if you do have some feedback for us just let us know in the comments or of course you can always send an email to support at lime next up is an interview with tom davies now, he lives in England. He got bit on a trip. He'll talk about that. And he talks about the difficulty navigating the British system to get help. And he also talks about what was working and how he's finally pulling out of it again. The reason I'm doing these interviews and not more interviews about, you know, the newest technology or the newest herbal protocol is Lyme is like a chess match. Once you have chronic limes, it's like a chess match and it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're living that. You know what I mean, right? You understand this. So selling the idea that, oh, this magic potion, this magic technique is just going to turn things around 100% sells a lot of false hope. I don't want to give you false hope. I want to give you real hope. People do get better from this disease. They do. They can live normal lives again. 100%? Maybe not. 95? Maybe? 80? Yeah, maybe. 70? Some only 50? Some less than that? But you can get better. And that's why we're bringing you these stories instead of, quite frankly, people pushing their business, their practice. It's, there's a place for that, but... It's no longer going to be on this show. We may do some interviews if people really have something interesting going on from time to time. But for the most part, I want to inspire you to keep going. Just keep going. Don't quit. That's the main thing. Don't quit. Don't quit. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you got to take 20,000 supplements. Yeah, I know. Don't quit. Do it now. Take the next step. That's what there is to do. That's what healing looks like. All right, here's my interview with Tom Davies. Um, in my situation, like I, I'm feeling a lot better, uh, a, lot, a lot improved to, to what I was um, the back end of last year. Um, f- for me, it, it's, if you want me to talk about life now or do you want me to go back to the beginning or what, what's best for you? Talk about life now. What are you up to? I see you're a DJ. Got some yeah, fun yeah. things going on. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't actually DJed for a while until be- since before Christmas, um, since before I was ill. But um, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been doing a bit of bit of music music production in my own time, and uh, working on Ableton, and uh, working on my own projects and a few remixes and things. So um, I was doing a lot more last summer before I was diagnosed. Um, so that was that was what I was doing. I was working logistics for a. Uh, 
for the travel company as well. I was working full time and then I was doing a little bit of music production and then a little bit of DJing on the weekend as well. So um, for me, it was uh, it, it okay. It all came to a halt as soon as I got it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't function. Obviously, it was it was quite hit me quite hard. But at the moment, um, getting back getting back into work, um, changed my diet. Um, I'm, I'm on herbal medication. I'm on antibiotics, and um, I'm, I'm I'd say I'm about eighty percent better. I'm not quite there, but I'm but I'm I'm about eighty percent. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get back to life as much as possible. Trying to exercise and you know use the sauna, go swimming, and um, just trying to keep up my health and fitness as much as I can. Um, yeah, it's been it's, it's been a, it's been a weird journey, but it's only been for me. It's only literally been about just under a year for me. So it was quite an acute infection, uh, which turned chronic. I mean, it's been 10 months now, so you can call it chronic. Um, but it was very, it was very, it wasn't, it wasn't like a steady thing over like uh, four or five years, which a lot of people have. I know I've got a friend in London and she, she's, she, it's been a bit of a build-up, like seven, eight years of like symptoms creeping up to the point where she's bed bound. My infection was different, as you know. All the infections you can, can differ completely from person to person. Like so, but my one was really, really thick and fast. Um, but yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm just so happy that I found a doctor who, who can treat someone who's, who's actually been able to listen to me and um, and give and me the right medication that's worked for my body. Yeah. Now, now clear, clearly you do not have an American accent. So where are you from? First of all, let everybody I'm, know. I'm from Liverpool in a, in the UK in England. Yeah, amazing. And yeah. also amazing, tell us a little bit about the NHS and what were you able to, how were you able to get diagnosed? Because it's hard enough here in the States. And imagine over there. Well, I didn't get diagnosed from the NHS. Um, the NHS are great. They're, they're great. They take, they take a load of boxes and they help people out. Obviously, everyone pays into it all their life. And and it's great to have a health service here that, you know, that, that, that we can afford and stuff. But for Lyme disease, uh, as you say, in America, you know, it's really hard to get diagnosed. But for here with Lyme disease, like it just, it just, it doesn't seem to be discussed. What once you give you that two or three week course of antibiotics from seeing a rash, it doesn't seem to have got past that stage for us. All the doctors are like chronic Lyme, like stage three Lyme, stage two. Like they, they don't have a clue. Like I actually had to like tell them, like you know what's going on, and they don't want to know. Um, so it's weird. The NHS have, you know, tried to help me, but obviously following their protocol, step one, step two, step three, we don't think that you've um, you've got chronic Lyme. Um, I had to, I had to go and find a private doctor who'd help us. Yeah, so I only got so far with the NHS. They gave me a little bit of medication, some antibiotics for uh, three weeks, but um, it was too late. They misdiagnosed the rash, and it, it was too late. Then the NHS um, they couldn't help. So what they tell you initially is spider bite? Cellulitis. Cellulitis, which isn't, isn't wrong. It's just you need to know what the cause of the cellulitis is. Sure, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So how, yeah. how, how, bad, how bad did things get for you? Like, what was the low point? Um, the low point for me uh, was there was, a couple, there was a couple of low points. Um, the, having symptoms of Lyme carditis, inflammation of the heart w- w- was was scary for me. Yeah, and and yeah. that and that was um, that was something that like I you know it, it just crippled me. I I I couldn't even believe 
I wasn't getting any help for it because I was in so much pain. And all the doctors were saying the same thing. There's nothing wrong with you. It's in your head and things like that. And that was the lowest point for me. And then just before that, I had um, meningitis symptoms, um, which, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, they tell you not to Google your symptoms, but when, when no one can give you an answer and you're in hospital for like eight days, you, you just start Googling. And when you realise that you've got all the symptoms of, of meningitis, you're telling the doctors, you, you know, I've got Lyme meningitis, I've got inflammation. I was putting like cold towels on the back of my head and things uh, in hospital to try and like cool myself down. That that was that was another low point. Because um, again, I was getting no answers. Um, just in so much pain like, for, for, for weeks. And every, every single symptom seemed to like morph into something else. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say September, October with the lowest points for me, especially October when I had the heart trouble because you know anything happens with your with your heart, you know you're scared, aren't you? So for sure. And did what? Here's what I want to ask: What turned it around? How did you turn this around? Because you're sitting in a hospital bed, you're putting your old old own cold compress on the back of your neck. You've got massive headaches, I'm sure. Maybe you're nauseous. Meningitis is no joke. Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, this is nuts. I got to do something, yeah? Yeah. And I had, I had, when I had meningitis, I had muscle wasting for about two weeks. So all my, all my leg and my arm was just wasting away. And I had like facial palsy as well. So I had about five different things going on. And, 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 I realized after being in hospital for like seven, eight days, I realized no one's going to help me. So I, I had to, I had to ring a friend and say like, you know, have you got any antibiotics? So he, he literally had to bring the antibiotics to the hospital. And Smuggled I said, he was like, well, yeah, I, I didn't have a choice. Um, and he just, he just gave me the, the penicillin and he said, I've only got like about three days left. So I took them and as I took them like day by day, I started feeling a little bit, a little bit better. Started putting a little bit of weight on a couple of pounds and um, I was just like, right, I feel a little bit better here. Um, I ordered doxycycline um, for Lyme disease while I was in the hospital so that it was there when I, when I got out of hospital. And then the, the doctors and nurses, they were like, well, you know, you seem like you're doing a lot better. You're walking around. You've got a bit more energy. And um, they said you could discharge yourself whenever you're ready. So on about day seven, day eight, I discharged myself and I went back home and um, took the tablets that I bought online. And um, obviously at this point, I had the facial palsy. I, I couldn't feel my right arm and the right side of my body. And my face was just all weak and, you know, a trophy there and stuff. It wasn't nice. Um, so when I got home, I took the tablets and it just started to turn it round. And that's when I realised, you know, it's got to be Lyme disease because it can't, it can't be anything else with the facial palsy and antibiotics really working. So then I started to improve a little bit after about four or five days. Um, and then I ran out. I spoke to the doctor. He gave me another two weeks. Um, and I had Lyme disease blood test, which came back negative. So I was, yeah, I was just like, right, well, so they were like, there's nothing we can do for you. You'd have to stop taking the tablets. And I was like, stop and take my tablets. They're helping me. Um, and then after that, yeah, I, I well, the NHS had closed the door on me at that point because the, the test was negative and it was, you know, I've been told it's 40% accurate. So um, I was like, well, I'm going to have to do this myself. So I went online and bought penicillin off a couple of chemists. So I bought um, four weeks. So I bought myself a month's worth. It was expensive, you know, obviously buying off private chemists and things, but um, that kind of tied me over. And as I started taking them, when I got out of hospital, 
Um, I, I felt like well enough to go in the gym and go for like a swim every morning and stuff and get myself back exercising from being in bed. Um, and no one believed me. Like my family didn't believe me. They were like, they didn't even know I was taking the antibiotics because I didn't sell them because they just thought I was just going mad. Um, the doctor was trying to get me on antidepressants. My family were trying to tell me to take them. You're um, mental, you're mental. You're mental, you know, you've got anxiety, do what the doctor yeah. tells you. I said, I'm not, the doctor tells me. I know there's something wrong. Um, and then the penicillin was working. Uh, about 70, 80% of the symptoms were going away. So the heart pain kind of cleared up a little bit. But then even if I missed, say I missed like a tablet or two, it'd come back. So I literally had to be on it every single day at the same time for a month. Um, and within that month, I managed to um, sort an appointment to go to Dublin and see um, infectious diseases doctor, Dr. Lambert. And um, and since I've seen him and been on triple antibiotics, I've been a lot better. Like it's cleared that out completely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you need you need the multiple antibiotics for a couple of reasons. A, if they're co-infections in there, but B, just for the different stages of Lyme disease. Yeah. Mono monotherapy is it's clearly at this point not the way to go. So you you did yourself well getting over there to Dublin. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. I mean, even even going to see him was just people were like, What you have to go to Dublin? I was like, I've got to. It's the only thing I've, I've uh, it's gonna help me. And there's so many testimonials about his work and what he's done and how he's helped like not just one, one or two people, like entire families who've had Lyme disease um, from all ages as well. So I, I know, you know, the NHS are like, oh, well, you know, you can't be taking these antibiotics. What if you're resistant in the future? What if you get tuberculosis and things like that? But what else am I going to do at, at, at this moment? It's so um, debilitating right. and, and it involves you need to make it through. Yeah, you need yeah. to make it through the month. <laughs> exactly, worry, yeah. Worry about 10 years down the road, 10 years down the road, right? It's an emergency. Yeah. 100 percent yeah so i went over uh, with a family member and um you know picked up the tablets and stayed in the hotel and just um just got a prescription got the tablets came back and um spoke to the nappiers in um herbal shop in scotland and they've been doing a lot of um said to be a lot of tinctures out and herbal remedies and stuff which have helped um but i think because the affection was so so right through my whole body antibiotics were the were the best for it like yeah yeah, it's good. It's good you're on both. I think uh, there's there's room in in the approach for Lyme for both. Now, my, my last question for you is: you, everybody was against you. The NHS was against you. Your family was against you. What gave you the confidence to back yourself and keep going? A gut instinct. You've got to go with your gut instinct on these things. You, you, you know, your intuition, it's a real thing. If, if you ignore your intuition on anything, really, but in particular your health, you, you know when you're not well. And so it doesn't matter what doctor. It could be the most prestigious doctor in the world. If I know I'm not well, you know, I'm, I'm 31. I've had anxiety and stress before. And I know what it feels like. It's not like I'm a 12-year-old just dealing with, like, my first symptoms of anxiety and things, which I understand. Um, but I know the symptoms of, of these things. So what they were telling me, I, I knew that it was, it was, you know, a, a physical illness that was causing a bit of an anxiety and, and things like that. Obviously, when you got chest pain and that. Um, so the most important thing is to trust, trust your intuition, and then and go with your gut feeling. You know, you know you're not well. Push through with it. And you know what? You know what tablets are working. It's no placebo effect. If you take an antibiotic and the pain goes, it's obviously working. You know, just pop antibiotics. So. Um, yeah, if, if anyone else was struggling out there, because I do I do know 
that it does happen. Um, I'd imagine in America as well. I know it definitely happens in Europe. Um, a lot of people, they do take no for an answer and they sit, they sit around thinking, maybe I am going a bit mad. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe there's something wrong with me. Um, but no, you've just got to stay strong and just think these, these symptoms that I've got are not in my head and they've been going on for long enough now to, um, to maybe realize that. That's so well said. Tom Davies, thank you so much for sharing your story. No problem. As you know, and you can tell me more about this, this is an invisible disease a lot of the times. A lot of the time. People don't walk around with a cast on or scars from surgery. Crutches. Sometimes people look normal. They just don't feel normal. And that's why we need the advocates out there. That's why we need the triage experts out there. The Lyme medics. That's right, we're calling them Lyme medics now. The Lyme medics. To help these people, the 90%, the 400, what was it, 26,000 every single year. Here, let me look up that number so I get it right. 428,400 every single year, probably more than that, that go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Come on, that's crazy. So Dave always gives us a dose of humor with the point to it. I just love Lime Lumines. If you haven't got the book, support Dave. I don't get any money. He's not giving me a kickback. He probably doesn't even know I'm doing this. It's on Amazon. Just go ahead and buy it. It's full of great cartoons you'll want to have this it's actually not a bad education tool you should put these in waiting rooms that's not a bad idea i like that Lim waiting room project maybe we'll put that together all right lots of ideas i just need lots of money lots of time lots of help every little bit do every little not every little person <laughs> I was thinking of snowflakes. They're little. Every person doing their part, right? We just had a huge snowstorm down here. I was out feeding the cows, wading through knee-deep drifts of snow, getting down into the boots. It's crazy. But that storm was made up of teeny tiny little snowflakes. Billions, trillions, whatever that is of those. That's what we need. We need an army of lime snowflakes to make up a storm to make things happen. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do it starting now. Do it now. Do it with me. Say it. Do it now. Let's get it done. Remember the old get her done bit, that country song? I'm dating myself. Anyway, if you're younger and you don't know, you should look it up. It's kind of funny if you have that sense of humor. All right, our last bit, interview with Dr. Nicola Ducharme, and she's going to drop some wisdom bombs on us. So please enjoy my interview with Dr. Nicola. Dr. Nicola, welcome back. I'd like to talk to you today about screening for Lyme and particularly frontline coaches, maybe practitioners who don't feel they have the expertise for Lyme, but want to be aware of the basics like what can they do to refer out properly because chronic lyme and lyme disease is the the, the missing millions right it's the silent epidemic there are 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people out there walking with Lyme disease that has not been diagnosed and they're suffering and it's needless and it's criminal. And I know you're on a mission and I'm on a mission and we're going to turn this thing around. So what can frontline everyday coaches and practitioners do? Well, I mean, the first thing, there are some tools out there that are helpful. Um, Dr. Horowitz is like one of our top um, Lyme docs in the United States. And he has a screening questionnaire that is um, extremely detailed and really covers, you know, a lot of the systems and a lot of the things that we see in, in chronic Lyme. So that that's one tool and resource that's available. The, you know, the next step is just being aware clinically of how people present. And I think the one thing I want to say here, <clears throat> excuse me, grab some water is that chronic Lyme mimics so many things. So it can be every and any symptom. So that can be overwhelming because you're sort of thinking, okay, so how do I know if it's that versus something else? A lot of people, by the time they come to you or talk to you, will have been through a lot of diagnostics already for everything except Lyme typically. But at least there's things that have been ruled out along the way. So just recognizing like the major symptoms of Lyme and some of Lyme's co-infections can be really helpful. The one thing I've always said is, you know, you're suspicious of chronic Lyme when they have every, you know, array of different symptoms, but nothing can be attributed to anything else. So they've had. Sorry, McCain. Sorry to interrupt there. So basically, they're they're just going around the diagnostic merry-go-round, and it's like, well, it's not this, it's not that. Yeah. A lot lot of times, we've mentioned before in in other of our our bits here, our our segments, is that it gets attributed to psychiatric. Well, we can't find it, therefore, it must be in your head. Exactly. Or we'll call it fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome because those things mean nothing. They are, they're syndromes. They are descriptions of a set of symptoms. They, they tell you nothing about what's going on in the body. So, I mean, just looking at the clinical presentation and as, as one gets more familiar with Lyme, there are certain sort of symptom pictures and groups of symptoms that, that become more familiar um, and that one can sort of say, oh, well, that sounds a lot like Babesia or that sounds a lot like Bartonella. But just in the beginning, realizing that Lyme affects every single system and it presents differently in everybody. So you may have someone who's presenting with a lot of psychiatric issues, but doesn't have the joint pain. They may have chronic fatigue, but they don't have body pain. Well, that can still be chronic Lyme. Um, So just being open-minded about that and just kind of looking out for the symptom pictures. And then the next step is like figuring out the right testing. And that's a whole huge conversation unto itself. But part of the problem with people not getting diagnosed with Lyme is the inadequacy of the testing. And McKay, we'll probably talk about this on another episode, right? Just that. Absolutely. It's too much to get to right now, but. Yeah. Um, But suffice it to say that standard lab testing through commercial labs like LabCorp and Quest is not sufficient. It's not sensitive enough. It was never supposed to be used diagnostically. It was meant to be used for surveillance criteria, meaning more epidemiology. Um, And yet here we are. So people are being run through, if they're getting Lyme testing, they're being run through this really like weak and wimpy test. 
and that has a high rate of false negatives. And then they're told, okay, see, it's negative. You don't have Lyme, Nino, Nino. And I've also had patients that ha- said their Lyme test was positive and their doctor was like, that's a false positive. You don't have Lyme. So either way, they're marched out of the office being told they don't have Lyme. And this is, this is actually worse for some people because then they spend the next 10 years going, oh, no, I was tested for Lyme. I don't have it. That's the low-hanging fruit. I've heard that too often in my own office. Oh, I got tested it tested, you know, and my doctor said I doesn't have it. Well, what did the test say? Well, the test came back positive or let's see the exact bands on the test where it comes out, you know, where it's equivocal. And the doctor says, well, you haven't met the, the strict CDC standards. Yeah. Now, the other thing I want to ask specifically, like if you're out with the moms having a glass of wine somewhere and Conversation turns to, oh, my aches and pains. Everybody's right, just convention about how they're feeling. What would like trigger in the back of your mind is like, oh, we I need to talk to her about Lyme disease. Like what what type of symptomatology specifically? For me, one of the key points is the the combination of symptoms, like the symptoms that relate to all different body systems. So it's not just about having aches and pains, it's about having aches and pains, but then it's anxiety as well, or then it's brain fog, or then it might be numbness and tingling. Like, so, and there may be GI issues. So for me, it's like when I hear these sort of multitude of symptoms that are all kind of relating to different systems in the body, that's a big red flag for me. And then I'd just like to toss in the classic migrating joint pain yeah, of course. Migratory joint pain is a big one. Um, and, how about this? You, oh, I had a tick bite and a bullseye rash, but I was told that there's no Lyme in my area, so I wasn't given any treatment. Right. Let's just stop right there. If anybody has had the erythema migrans, the bullseye rash, you have a Lyme disease, case closed, no further tests needed. It's completely diagnostic, 100%. You have got it. Congratulations. Do not pass go. Don't stop at your doctors. Just hook yourself up to antibiotics if it's quick enough. Otherwise, you need to go see somebody like Dr. Nicola because getting that unwound, if it's six months later, if it's a year later, if it's six years later, that's when, as you know, it gets really, really complicated. So there really are, I mean, in this conversation, you know, it'd be nice to have like a list of things you really need to have a little more training. It sounds like to, to really get sensitive to it. Once you begin hearing Lyme stories though, there's, you you can hear, you suspect it. And all you need to know as a frontline person is to have a suspicion, refer to somebody who has the experience to have the diagnostic conversation or hand them, keep some of the Harwitz Lyme quizzes in your office. And there are some online versions, there's the PDF and just have them fill it out and see what happens. And that may be enough to get the person to say, you know what, let's go ahead and, and, and and take a further conversation with this. Let's have a conversation with somebody who's trained in Lyme disease to see if it warrants the expense of testing. Because I I do do like the idea of three levels to do some sort of self-screening have a diagnostic conversation with someone with experience and then confirm it with some testing, some good testing. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. See you soon. All righty. That wraps up our show. And I want to say one of the skills I'm working on is looking at you through the camera 
and I don't have that training. I'm used to doing the audio version where I can look wherever I want to. And I apologize for that because it's a little impersonal for me to be looking down at my cup of tea or cup of water or cup of coffee, whatever happens to be there at the time. So I want you to know you are important. You are the reason we're doing this. You're part of the army that we're going to form, the Lyme Warriors, the 100,000 advocates, the 10,000 medics, and those 1,000 special practitioners who actually want to treat Lyme disease. We're going to go train people. We're going to turn this around. We're not waiting for the CDC. We're not waiting for IDSA. We're going to do it now, you, me, the rest of the Lyme warriors, the rest of the Lyme ninjas, let's do it now. All right, so good to see you. I do have to look away for a second because I have to click on a button here to wrap the show up. We'll see you next week. Oh, right, next week we've got our Barch Lyme briefing sat- Saturday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Next week, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That makes it 4 p.m. Pacific Time and everything in between. Come join me. We'll be streaming. I hope to stream this live on Facebook. We're going to be doing it on Zoom. Actually, just come to Zoom. It's much more fun. There'll be chances to interact, ask questions of Dr. Nicola. So go to thelimeacademy.com. That's where you sign up. Join me. Join Dr. Nicola. Get trained as a Lyme advocate. We'll even give you a certificate with your name on it. It's going to be a blast. You're going to learn a lot. We're going to talk about Lyme and COVID. Next week, next Wednesday, March 22nd, 7 p.m. I'll tell you all about my court date. Talk to you soon. Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.